Hi, and welcome to 52 Weeks of Health Equity. My name is Tahisha, and today I have the pleasure and privilege of talking with Daniel Greenbaum. Um, he is going to be talking about his work and what he does and what he's passionate about. And so, Daniel, since I know you can introduce yourself way better than I can, I'm going to turn it over to you and allow you to introduce who you are and why you're here. Um, well, thanks for that warm welcome. I am an attorney in Los Angeles, and I focus in my practice on personal injury, so a lot of motor vehicle accidents. Um, but I also, in the last few years, have started to focus on bad faith insurance claims. Um, and I've really, where I come to this health equity component is after handling and speaking to dozens and dozens, maybe more of people. I mean, that's the work I do now. A lot of what I do is file lawsuits on behalf of people against their own insurance. So the CDC has this definition that health equity is allowing people or it's getting people to the state where everyone has fair and just opportunity to be their healthiest self. And even I'll even add in Robert Wood Johnson Foundation's their little caveat that says we need to be looking at reducing barriers, right? Like things like poverty, discrimination, the consequences of all that, including powerlessness and like racial inequity and access to good jobs and being able to have housing and quality education, all the social determinants of health that fall in there. And what does that look like when you, you know, don't have great environments or don't have access? access to healthcare. So you said something about bad faith insurance cases. Like, what is that? Like so um, let me give you an example um, of a case I'm handling right now. We're going to trial in a few months. Um, this is not in the health arena. It's just a, it's all different types of insurance. Uh, this is someone who um, who uh, has came back to his car. He had gone out with his wife and uh, I think he went home and then got a ride in the morning with a friend, came back to his car after working a very long day, uh, comes out to his car that he hasn't seen in over 20, this, that. He drives it um, and that story, uh, and he files a claim and he says, hey, you know, brings it to back to the shop. It's, it's not working, whatever it is. And he makes a claim. Now the insurance company to their credit sends someone out and says, yeah, we'll pay for the body damage. Obviously someone vandalized it, but we're going to trial because they're saying, ah, oh, the car just broke down. Coincident. It just happened to be that right an hour after your car was vandalized, it broke down. It's, it's no, that's not really. But so he has yeah. insurance. It's well, not had like, insurance. It like it's not like a super old car or anything like that and so he he kind of had this faith that his car like having insurance is what we're told we're supposed to have right to like right. Make sure it covers all those things that could happen right and so i know this isn't a health insurance case but like you describe like he comes back he wants to like he's tired he's worked a long day like and now you're thinking about all this stuff that you thought you took care of and now having to deal with that has to impact your health. Like it's a stressor. Now it's like right. impacting your work, all the things that socially allow us to be healthy. Like now, you know, right. it, it, it's that. But this happens also for sure. But this also, I mean, so the, like we could talk, yes, with all insurance, that's the problem that 
things started changing, I don't want to go too deep. People definitely can do research, but the insurance industry, how all over changed about 30, 30, yeah, 35 years ago, there was a big shift in the nineties, maybe not even 30 in the late, in the moving up into the, the early two um, thousands, a big shift where the company started saying, how can we maximize profits? And look, a company exists to maximize profits. I get that. Um, you know, I may not agree with it in the way capitalism works now, but I get it. They're trying to make money. And the only way they figured out how they could make more money, they can't control the number of claims. Right. They can't. And they, yes, they can try that's and sell. That's why we have insurance, right? For right. the unexpected. Right. They can't control that. They don't, you know, that's going to change over time, but it's going to be whatever it is that year, that month. They can't control. They can try and sell more insurance. But ultimately, they're going to have whatever market share they're going to have. What they really can control and what they realized, this started with Allstate and then it moved to others. Um, and this is public. They had they hired an efficiency expert, McKinsey, an efficiency company to help them. And what it figured out, what they figured out is if you, what they can do is they can turn a claim, the claim center. So before 30 years ago, the claim center, the job of the adjuster was to come in, look and say, okay. Um, you know, you have a claim here. You, you went in, uh, for this surgery, this or that it's covered. Yep. It's covered. I see that we cover 40% of that. So it was, you know, it was a hundred thousand dollars. We'll cover 40% or we cover 60% or whatever it is. Okay. Right. And we cover so it, was it straightforward, straightforward. Every expert I've talked to who, and most of these are unfortunately are older people because they were working 30 or 40 years ago. They were experienced when they were coming up was like, that's what you did. Right. And that's the point. I mean, not to get too, but like Ben Franklin was part of the first creation of the first insurance companies, like 200, whatever. Right. And the idea was when someone makes a claim, you pay out. One of the, the greatest stories I, I read in, in, in reading these books about insurance and how it's changed now was that when there was some, I think it was, I don't remember when, and a lot of them were insured by some guy in Connecticut, whatever, Hartford insurance. And it was the middle of winter. And he like, put his, the money, the cash on sleds and brought it down to pay for the fuck, to pay out. Hey, uh, I got to pay. I don't you. think anybody thinks of insurance companies doing that anymore. Right. So we've come a far way from someone saying, I owe you the money and I'm going to pay it because you paid it. It's the one thing we do where you, you pay ahead of time. You pay and you pay and you pay. And then you don't get the benefit until much later. And they get to decide if they're going to give you the benefit of the contract that you... I'll give you an example in my family right now, what this is happening. I'll give you a personal example of in health insurance, how this happened. So we, this is a perfect example. Um, God, this is maybe three or four months ago. Um, it did actually turn out that my son did, my five-year-old did have COVID. Um, but we went in, we didn't know he was, you know, he had a cough or whatever it was, or he wasn't feeling well. So my, our pediatrician um, does a thing called a respiratory virus panel, an RV panel. They do 15 or something, right? Very standard. She said, you should do this, then you can find out what it is. Because let's be clear, while COVID is worrisome, I'm actually with a five-year-old, he was four at the time, I'm wor worried. Tag on a little bit. Um, I, I had what was sure. suspected COVID at one point, 
and they didn't do some of the other testing so i never knew like what i was sick with did i have the flu was it nothing like so and and it makes total sense because you want to know what what to treat for right is it rv i mean we don't know we also have you know i have a history of asthma so we should know about these things i wasn't sick at the time but let's all go in let's get tested great but especially my son who had symptoms for sure he should have been tested so we go in and i do want to point out there's there's the also the other thing that happens between insurance companies so a year ago we were on a different insurance we did this it was waved through there's no standard rules the federal government has some of these rules and we can talk maybe talk about like for instance with the mental health parity laws that is another part that sort of is my big passion in this area of equity health equity but there's no standardization so our old insurance covered it no problem we didn't bat an eye waved it through we hadn't been sick thank god we hadn't been sick so now we're sick this is october or whatever it was um and so we go through our new insurance no and we say no so it's not at completely all. different practice so not there even... isn't so you almost need to be an expert in every single insurance company that's out there there are standards and protocols and and reading all that and who has time but right? i don't think we would have even had time our doctor said hey we're like he's sick we need to know what he has or if we have it we're going to come in she said yes that's what we want you to do i want you to take this panel we'll figure out what he has but you got if you guys have it also because um, he'd been sick for a few days, so we might have gotten so, at this point. So wait a second. The CDC says we should be aiming to be our healthiest selves, right? And we've been told that COVID, like if you have COVID symptoms, go get tested, go do this, go get treated to protect the population. So then when people go to try to do these things, uh, you you hit blockers it sounds like to actually being able to do that because nobody wants to walk out of like a doctor's office and end up with thousands and thousands of dollars yeah. worth of bills for, right? for four of us i think the the bill is was 200 175 each and we got a bill from our doctor and we said what why is this not covered and we go to we go to our insurance company and they say oh well we're not covering it it's experimental and i said experimental years let's say you know, never, never heard such a thing. This is experimental. They're testing. So wait, the, the panel is experimental? The test panel is experimental? And so we appealed that. And so they came back. So I actually just recently got their final and final decision. And why this is how they determined it was experimental. They said, well, I'll it on my own behalf. But they... Um, Essentially, well, if you're testing for five or less, then it's not experimental. But testing for 10 or whatever, 15, then that's experimental. And it's not accepted good science. And it's not, pure. I'm thinking, I mean, how would I have known that? Secondly, my doctor went to school, not you. This is this is the problem with insurance company. This is part of the problem, which I'm sure many, many of us have understood. And many, I think a lot of doctors have a problem with this, is doctors have to make the decision. They have to make a decision right now about, right? And, and if so, they make the wrong one, they put themselves at risk. Right. So, which is why, right. So she, of course, said, I don't want your four-year-old to have RSV or something else because he could end up in the hospital. Let's get him treated quickly and find out, right? He didn't have RSV, right? And that was a relief to me. I'm, my wife worries more about COVID, but to me, 
I, and it's, it's crazy. That's part of, I think what you talked about access and fair and equity and all this, you know, the things that the, the CDC health equity guideline talks about is the insurance is getting in the Yeah. And I just want to point out, you're a very smart guy, right? And so you're well-educated and you kind of know these systems because you've dealt with them before from even like lawsuits and things like that. So for someone who is not as well-versed in this or doesn't have the time to like go and make these calls and all of that, like this seems Mm -hmm. like why people don't trust the healthcare system too, like, or what their doctors say, like it adds to like me having less faith in what my doctor has told me thinking that they don't know what's going on. Cause we often think doctors know about the insurance and like, you know, Hey, why order a test if it's gonna, mm-hmm. if I can't get it. So it's almost like they're setting up the doctor for failure. And for those who don't have the time to navigate through the system, they're probably not going to proceed forward and either pay it or be in debt for it. Like, let's say you're a single mom or you have Mm -hmm. very limited income. Like, how how does that not become a snowball that like, like, why create a system like that? Of course. Well, and, and my experience, both. I should say, so the bad faith is first party. That's when you have been wronged, to use it's maybe not the most accurate term, when you have said, hey, my insurance, I have a claim and they deny it. But I also see this, I, I want to be clear, in the area I started seeing this, and this is in the area of of personal injury with third party claims. And again, this is not health, it's not health, but it does impact everything because the experts I've spoken to since getting into the bad faith area, they said it was also the same when they worked as car adjusters, right? So you hit somebody else and that person says, ow, starting a long time ago, they said it was, I looked, I got the medical bill. So someone would say, okay, I went to the chiropractor. I have a bill now for $5,500, let's call it, right? They turn it into the other person's insurance, the person who hit them. And he said, I would look at it and I'd say, yep, that's a bill. That's a, <laughs> they went. Yep, I see it's a hundred times. They went 50, whatever, how it adds up to 5,500, four. Now, every case is a fight. Every case they fight over whether or not that's reasonable. So now we have insurance adjusters who are in a car accident case who are questioning whether or not you going to a chiropractor because their client, their insured hit you, whether or not, oh, should you have gone that many times? Were you, did you deserve that injection? Was that injection? Did you really need that injection? And is that injection really that much? Is it really that much? And I've had doctors in So you're in supposed to bargain hunt for your health You have to bargain hunt or you don't go, <laughs> right? Because you don't know if the insurance... Use it, which seems logical, right? Like you go to use it, that's when they give you a kind of pushback. So mm-hmm. what is... Like this probably is why we don't really trust insurance in the United States. Like even when um, the the ACA Healthcare for Everyone came out, a lot of the pushback from people, friends I had was, well, why would I pay for something which I'm not gonna use? Like, and so a lot of people didn't buy into it. Or I had friends who would say like, I don't wanna pay for something that when I go to use it, it's not gonna pay for the whole thing. Or I'm gonna have to like provide like a whole bunch of stuff if I need to. I, I'd rather just roll the die and have to mm-hmm. pay for it out of pocket myself. 
So aren't they in some ways, even though this is like a way for them to put profit over people, aren't they creating this sort of, as you said, like I'll use the word bad faith, even though, you know, like a bad faith with customers and people out there so that you don't want to get insurance if you can avoid it as much as possible. Right. Or you don't make a claim or you don't. I was told by my the guy who's our broker for like our house insurance, um, one of the windows shattered. It's just like I'm super hot or something. And he told us, don't make a claim unless it's, I think he said, that what? That's wild. That I was wild. like, are you kidding me? Um, it, yeah. I mean, I, I think, and as you said, I think it's not, while of course health insurance has a direct effect on sort of how healthy we are in our, but all of this, the, the unknown, of course, the unknown with, if I get into a car wreck, is it going to cover this? I mean, that's something that happened just in California. We just updated our minimums and there was such pushback from the auto industry, the, the auto insurance industry. They hadn't been updated and our medical malpractice insurance um, coverage hadn't been updated. A hospital stay was a couple hundred dollars a night, right? Now to have a minimum of you know twenty five thousand dollars or fifteen thousand dollars for personal injury on a, you know for the bodily injury, uh, one night in a hospital might be ten thousand or fifteen thousand dollars depending on what they do. An ER with the ambulance with the doctor, you get all the different bills. All of a sudden, you go into this too. Having worked in healthcare and seen some of what we charged insurance companies, they didn't pay that though. Like they paid like a quarter, like Mm -hmm. they would, they, we would send them a bill and they would pay like 10% of that. So like whatever they paid. And so it, so it, it's a trickle down almost into like how great your healthcare will be because if health insurance companies are paying a, a percentage of what you might pay, then they're giving that percent, a smaller percentage back to hospitals. So Mm -hmm. in the United States, I think there was this myth too, that, that medical care and all care and all things cost so much. But some of that is probably with the idea that health insurance is only going to pay so much because if you're paying out of pocket, there's always that little caveat from the hospital or where whoever's billing you, like reach out to you and we'll work with you. They will not work with you as well, probably as they do with the insurance companies where they have some negotiated rates going. But it's this like system of all these little nuances that the average person doesn't know about. And so who it harms, it sounds like, and who it prevents having access to health care and to uh, saving your money that you thought you were paying into like let's say you're paying into auto insurance um it harms the public because like for sure part of part of getting any type of insurance it's insane we have a you know i think there was a meme going around several years ago you know about breaking bad that said it's funny breaking bad is the perfect example it said all you need to know about the american healthcare system is that one of the most popular shows of all time is about a guy who decides he has to create show and but it also it's deeply accurate about the depths that people have to go to i mean that's one of the reasons all of this experience for me i certainly um lean left but all of this work over the doing the personal injury and doing the bad faith and doing all the research on the history of what has changed i am 100 percent on board with some type of universal health care um 
I think that it is, it's a shame that we don't, and we know in the countries where they do it, there's just, people are happier. We know in Finland and in England, and the biggest thing is that it allows people to not be worried if they don't have a job, if they, um, whatever it is, if they're over 25, so they can't be on their parents' insurance anymore. If they want to go back to school, if they want to take pay for your own insurance, you know, but most people can't. Mm -hmm. And we know that obviously if it's affecting me, middle-class white guy, and it's hard for us, it trickles down even worse to the working class and even worse to communities of color. And it just is good. They're going to, we know in every area where things are bad, it's going to hit uh, people who are in poverty and people of color so much harder. And that's- Say that we care about, you know, people having uh, access to things. We say that we care about the working, uh, the working population here and that we want everybody to work, right? But if, if, you know, and, and it's funny you mentioned Breaking Bad, like if working is more expensive than, you know, doing crime, like, cause that's what he's doing. He's doing crime right. to oh, yeah. make his health insurance, like to pay for that. Like what, where are we as a society? We are not leading the way in the U.S. Um, and so I've talked to people too, who are in other countries and it's always so interesting when uh, they talk about like the things that they kind of want to have as priorities when they talk out. So they're like, we would like to have holistic services we would like to have more um, psychological safety and it's funny because the U.S. where we think of ourselves as number one right we're saying things like I would like to be able to have just a surgery <laughs> that I need right. to save my life like we're not even we're not even thinking stress relievers or like and he had to agree which I was great was that essentially the U.S. does have the best medicine in the world. We really do have the best doctors. We really, we, you know, the whole concept of laziness in the U.S. should not be a thing yep. because the U.S. works more out of their home has, uh, you know, than any other country. You, you, there are countries right now that have four day weeks, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, consistently um, that people are more productive when they have more time to recover. Or I read and, and think about these things. I mean, that is one of, I think, the issues with the philosophy of capitalism. That is the problem. Again, I, I think there's nothing wrong with people wanting to have stuff and make stuff and be paid for that stuff. It's the philosophy that we've taken on that there's literally nothing that unless you can make money off of it, unless you can, it can produce, it doesn't have value. Which right. might be why we don't take care of our children, right? Because they are unproductive mm -hmm. for a good chunk of their lives. So, you know, we, we do really poorly with, with child care services and how we care mm -hmm. for children in this country. And we also don't do great when it comes to mothers giving birth, right? Like that's the <sighs> least productive time in a oh woman's life. God. Like, But that is the time when you need the most support. So it's so interesting that you said that. Like it's really about like capital capitalism is like if you're not bringing in money if you if you don't have monetary value then you know why should i care and that is probably why 
this impacts communities of color more uh, in